Psalm 121. What I'm speaking about this morning only applies to the Christian. If you are not a a Christian, this does not apply to you. It could apply to you. It will apply to you if you do what Brother John Dees just exhorted you to do. We so often see unbelievers or religious people take the things of God, take Scriptures and promises that only apply to believers and they draw false assurance and comfort from them. And the Scripture warns about that. So if, if you're not a believer here this morning, what I'm going to say does not apply to you. But it can if you'll truly look to and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak this morning from this psalm about a glorious work of God. It's something like justification, our justification in Christ, in the sense that it's something that God does for the Christian, to the Christian, that is outside of us. It doesn't have anything to do with to what degree we've grown. It has nothing to do with our knowledge, how well we're doing, how encouraged we are, how we feel. This is something outside of us that is God's work about us. But unlike justification, which is a one-time thing forever done, this work of God is ongoing. It's a process. It's always happening toward every single Christian. So if you're a believer here this morning, I'm talking to you. This is for you. This psalm is a glorious feast. And in a way, you could say that about every psalm, couldn't you? But this one is especially an amazing feast. Psalm 121, there's only eight verses, but it is a mammoth reality that the psalmist talks about here. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer or allow your foot to be moved. He that keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he that keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall keep you from all evil. He shall keep your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. This psalm is in a group of psalms from about Psalm 120 to 134 that is called the Psalms of Ascent. The Pilgrim Psalms. A group of psalms that, that they say the Jews may have sung regularly at different times. 
these psalms became songs for the Jews' journey. The journeys they would take from all over the land when they would be called to go back up to Israel or to Jerusalem for the called assemblies, the feast. And so, there were certain feasts in Jerusalem and the Jews were called and they had to journey to Zion. And they were often longing to get to that city, to get there to feast. Such a journey for those Jews was always a major trip. And it was often long and hard. And they could meet many situations. The weather, for instance, could be bad. And it was difficult in the journey. Rough terrain or sickness or personal discouragements. Even oppositions and dangers would come uh, in route at times. Or even relational problems with others in the group that were going to the same destination. There were difficulties. And so these, these pilgrim Jews would often, probably on these journeys, grow weary of the journey. And at times, some of them, though they might not have admitted it, they would have been discouraged and even wanted to turn back and not keep on the road to go up to Zion. So to encourage one another and strengthen one another, they would share and sing these pilgrim psalms. To, to encourage one another about their going all the way. They would sing together en route to Zion. Why did they do that? Well, first of all, to be reminded of their destination. We need to be reminded of our destination. They also would do it to encourage themselves that they were going to make it all the way, though at times they felt like they were not. And they did it also to remind them who it was that was keeping them all the way. So they sang these pilgrim songs heading up to Jerusalem. Isaac Watts, who lived in the 1600s into the 1700s, he wrote such hymns about pilgrimage, um, about the Christian life. These words remind you of that? The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields or walk the streets of gold. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's land to fairer worlds on high. And he wrote others picturing this journey. Well, Psalm 121 is one of these pilgrim psalms. And it is very unique. So I want us to camp out in it for these few minutes. I want you to notice something. It's so unique in this standpoint that there are no commands here at all. There are no exhortations to do something. There are no responsibilities given. There's no work. There's no calls to action. There's nothing. When you feast on this psalm, it is purely passive. It is pure rest and encouragement and comfort and truth about what's happening to you and for you. There's nothing in this psalm here about our commitment to God, but there's everything in this psalm about 
His commitment to us. This is pure promise and certainty because it tells us what is true about us. And what will be true about every Christian all the way, every step they're going to take until the final destination. What He's promised for you and to you and about you. And in this psalm, it's found in one, one word. Do you see what the word is? The word is keep. I want to encourage you this morning about God keeping you. It's found six times in six verses. Verses 3 through 8. The true Christian, the psalmist tells us here, and they sang this in their journey, the true Christian is being kept. If you're a Christian here this morning, you are a kept one. Now let's read those again and let it sink in a little more. Just, just those verses that say that. Verse 3, He who keeps you. Verse 4, He who keeps Israel. Verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, The Lord will keep you. He will keep your soul. Verse 8, The Lord will keep. You're going out and you're coming in. It is a glorious reality and a certainty that this psalm focuses on about you if you're a Christian. That God Himself has become and describes Himself as your keeper. Think of that. This term keeping or being kept has all-encompassing implications. If something is yours to keep, and especially if something is God's to keep, in this sense of being kept, it is full possession of and full responsibility for all the way. All the way. Continual care and protection and provision and preservation for every Christian. Perfectly and personally, carefully and continually and caringly, intimately and eternally kept by God Himself. Now just think, God inspired this psalm so that one day you would have it so that you could continually be told whatever place in your journey you are, I'm keeping you all the way. Isn't it a great joy to know that though we are responsible in this journey, ultimately, we don't keep ourselves. We are being kept. Kept all the way. Now, you know, God is not like us. We, even the most diligent among us, even the smartest among us, even the one with the greatest memory, doesn't keep everything perfectly always, even things that are valuable. In 1970, my Texas high school basketball team, we played in the state tournament. And we, we had good teammates, but we drove back from Austin to the Texas Panhandle. We stopped for lunch, and we ate lunch, got on the bus. We got 90 miles up the road, and we had left one of our teammates at the restaurant. Forgot about him. We didn't keep him. He was important to us. We didn't keep him. Somebody had to drive back for him. In the days, by the way, no cell phones, 
Nothing. So he sat there because he thought, surely they'll come back for me. It wasn't long ago that the best Bible that I've ever had, that I love that Bible, I misplaced it. And it's lost to me, at least up to now. We don't always keep things. We can and we do mishandle and lose valuables. But not the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't fail in His keeping. The Savior is not one day going to say, where's Clint Lauder? I've misplaced him. He was here a minute ago. Gabriel, send out a search party. We've got to find Clint. No. And the Lord will never say, you know, I've got to improve on my ability to keep my own better. John 17, the Lord Jesus prayed for you. Father, keep them. Keep them through your own name, those that you've given to me. Keep them. Psalm 121 is all about that. For the Christian that struggles with assurance, here's your assurance. For the soul that is cast upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but you feel the shakiness often, and your faith seems to be weak and attacked, this is your, the certainty of your assurance that it is God who keeps you all the way. The keeping, preserving, guarding, protecting, all-encompassing grace that is in us and over us and with us and all around us, as the songwriter said, underneath me, all around me, is the current of Thy love leading onward, leading homeward to the glorious rest above. The psalmist here, now let's look at this, what he says here for these few minutes. He gives the specifics about your being kept as a believer. First, who is it that keeps us? Verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It is God who keeps us. Verse 5, The Lord is my keeper. The living God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Creator and our Sustainer, He doesn't delegate your keeping to the angels, though angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to us, the Bible tells us. God doesn't delegate you're keeping to a lesser person than Himself. He keeps that privilege and that responsibility upon Himself. It is God who keeps us. Your Creator has become your keeper in Christ. The King of the universe has become our caregiver. The eternal God is now our, our personal Father and Guardian. It is He it keeps us. Paul said, I know and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him until that day. And remember that encouraging word at the end of Jude, the doxology Jude gives. He says, Now unto Him, now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and present you blameless before His presence with great joy. That doxology is about being kept unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before His presence with exceeding joy. It is God who keeps us. I give unto them eternal life, 
And they will never perish, neither shall any man pluck them or snatch them out of my hand, because my Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. It is God who keeps us, the psalmist tells us. Then secondly, we see, when you think about the implication of that, why is God a better keeper than anyone else? Well, the psalmist tells us, verses 3 and 4, and the reason he gives is that he doesn't ever fall asleep on the job. Look at verse 3 and 4. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Neither, verse 4, will he slumber or sleep. The, the psalmist is picturing one here who in his infinite person never lacks the perfection of faithfulness to keep us and preserve us. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't grow tired and weary of keeping His own. I have three grandchildren, and when I'm asked to keep them for any period of time, I do well at the first, but sometimes I do grow a little weary, irritable, and I'm longing for the female touch to get home to take over this job. Sometimes we can get weary of our responsibilities. But the Bible here says the Lord never grows tired or weary in keeping us. He never grows sleepy. He never gets drowsy. He never nods off. He never needs a nap in caring for you. Sometimes when I drive distances, I need a nap. I'll take 20 and I'm good for the rest of the journey. We need a break. He never does. I often pray in the mornings, Lord, while we were sleeping, You were not. You were keeping Your people. Thank You for that. It is God who keeps us. His infinite, unlimited, untiring, perfect faithfulness keeps us continually. And this is completely outside of our experience. It doesn't matter what you're going through or what you feel or how afraid of something you are or how weak you feel, you are being kept the whole time. You feel everything you feel. Number three... What does God keep? Well, it tells us. First of all, verse 3. The first is you individually, His individual child. It says there, He who keeps you. It's you. He has in mind. Individually. Verse 5, it says it again. The Lord is your keeper. Verse 7 and 8 say the same thing. Not just all collectively, but you personally and you individually are being kept. You as a sheep, kept by the great shepherd in such a way as if you're the only sheep he has to keep. Kept. But not you only. The psalmist says all collectively. Look at verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. That is, all of His own, all of His people, all the elect, all the church, all the people of God, every pilgrim and saint and sheep in all of history, all Israel shall be saved and kept and preserved. Not one will be lost. Dear dying Lamb, Thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. All are kept. All Israel. 
What a joy that is. Psalm 84 says that about the, all the children of God. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways to Zion. They go from strength to strength, and every one of them in Zion appears before God. Every one of them. Going to make it. All make it. All are kept. Now what is it about us, the psalmist says, that is kept? What about us is kept? We'll look at some specific. Verse 3. He says, He will not allow, what? Your foot to be moved. Your feet are kept. He will not allow your foot to be moved. Christ is not ultimately allowing one of His sheep, one of His own, to get off the path that leads to glory. Ultimately. He will keep your feet onwards. Proverbs 3 says, Then you will walk securely and your foot will not stumble. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. He keeps our feet. The Bible says the righteous stumble how many times but rise again? Seven times even can stumble and but will rise again and keep on walking. He keeps our feet, the psalmist says, in the way of the Gospel and in the path of holiness and on the highway that leads to Zion where we aren't moved away from this hope. And Paul talked about this in the Colossian letter. He said, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and not be moved away from the hope that is in the Gospel, He keeps our feet. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That's God does that. He just does that. He lifts us up to new heights. He takes you from faith to faith and glory to glory. And more glimpses of the face of Jesus Christ, you're changed into that image. And your feet keep plodding along, even if there's bunions and calluses and sore places on them. You keep walking after Christ. He keeps your feet on the upward way. All the way to Zion. He keeps your feet. Well, also, here's another one. Verse 6. He keeps not only our feet, but He keeps our nights and our days. Verse 6 says, The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon at night. Why would He mention the sun and even the moon? Because it was thought in those days... The oriental sun was very bright and dangerous when you were in those journeys. And they believed even that at night a full moon, the oriental moon, shining continually on you could affect you. Now whether that was true or not, that's what was believed. And certainly the psalmist references the protection from the moon at night. The full moon's rays, the Jews believed, exposed one to be affected even mentally or emotionally. Well, what's the psalmist saying? He's saying the, the life, the days and the nights, the entire days of every Zion journeying on, every single person, God keeps us from whatever He knows will harm us and ultimately destroy us. Our times, our days, and our nights are in His hand. And He preserves us. If we could see our life in retrospect 
and see how many evil people or wrecks or dangers God spared us from, it would be jaw-dropping. It would really be amazing to see what He's protected us from and kept us from. Our times and our days and our nights are in His keeping power. Then verse 7 says, He keeps us from all evil. He keeps us from all evil. Does this mean nothing negative or hard will never come? Obviously not. What He means is this, that anything that is not good and beneficial and best and right, He will keep from you. Nothing, Leonard Ravenhill used to say, nothing can come to you except by the time it gets to you, it is in God's will for you, for your good. Sounds pretty Calvinistic to me, Ravenhill. He keeps our soul, verse 7 says. He keeps our soul, the inner being, our mind, and the real us, our heart, our spirit, the new, renewed you, the, the person that's in Jesus Christ, He keeps you going onward and upward. He keeps your soul. He preserves your soul. Often when you don't even realize it. You're not thinking about it. And often when you don't feel like you're being kept. And you don't feel like you're making progress. It's happening outside of you. You're being kept. You're being carried and kept all the way. Jesus, Spurgeon said, has made the life of His people as secure as His own. Kept all the way. Well, what else does He keep about us? Look at verse 8. He keeps your going out and your coming in. All the daily living of life. You get up in the morning, you go out, you live the day, you come back in, you're going out and you're coming in. When you're going to fall, guess what? Underneath are the everlasting arms. When you're weary and your knees are about to buckle, somehow strength comes to keep walking. When you're about to collapse and you don't feel like you can go further, He gives power to the faint. And suddenly, you find the ability to make it on the way. You find then that it's the lame that takes the prey. When you're weakest, then the power of Christ rests on you and you're going to make it. He keeps you. The Father keeps us. The Lord Jesus said, Holy Father, keep them through Thy name You've given me. Christ's intercession keeps us. He said, I pray, Father, that You would not take them out of the world, but that You would keep them from evil. Father, I will that they also, whom You've given me, be with me where I am. Christ's prayers for us keeps us. He ever lives to do what? Make intercession for us. His death secured our keeping. Colossians 1 says, And you He reconciled through death to present you holy and unblameable in His sight. His death secured your keeping. His preservation of us consummates our keeping. Jude 24 and 25 says, He's able to keep us and present us faultless. His preservation of you will keep you all the way to the end. We are kept, Peter says, by the power of God unto a final salvation that is incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, and reserved with your name on it. Kept. Finally, how long will He keep you? Verse 8, 
The Lord will keep you from this time forth, this moment right now that you're in. What's happening? You're being kept. From this time forth, all the way, forever, you will be kept. That's what you have to look forward to. Kept forever. Yours, you're His forever. He's yours forever. From this time, from this present moment forward, through eternity future, saving, helping, keeping, He is with me to the end. All you can ever experience, whatever's coming down the pike, your mate dying first before you, a child dies, martyrdom, whatever suffering could be in the plan, you will be kept through it. All the way through it. He will not forsake you. He will not hold back strength and grace that you need to make it all the way through. He will carry you. You'll be kept no matter what. You're my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. The righteous cry for help and the Lord hears and delivers them. Kept. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Kept. The steps of a good man are order of the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, because the Lord upholds him. Kept. Kept, preserved, carried, upheld in his arms and in his hand forever. He will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. Then he'll bear me safely over where his loved ones I shall see. Kept forever. Kept until death. And then guess what? Kept through death and kept past death into one eternal day. Kept all the way. Kept. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Bear me through the swelling current. Land me safe on St. Canaan's side. Kept. And when that happens, those of us who have feared death will say, that's what I was afraid of? Well, it was only a friend that brought me face to face with Christ. Because you kept me all the way. Kept. What was true for Paul will be true for every Christian. You can look forward to this. You can shout it. You can pray it. You can bank on it. The Lord will rescue me, deliver me from every evil, and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. Safely into His heavenly kingdom. Kept all the way. This psalm is a feast. You ought to feast on it. Because you, if you're a Christian, have the unspeakable privilege that your God and Father is keeping you forever. There's a hymn I want us to close with in the White Hymn Book. 131. Jesus 
What a friend of sinners. Let's sing that in closing. 131 in the white.